0: Hi, you're listening to the podcast of Victory Santa Rosa. We pray that this message encourages you on your journey of faith in Jesus. We'll talk about something that we need today. It's a present, neglected sometimes, but it's something that we need. But my hope, my prayer, our faith is that we would want it as well. We'll talk about Jesus now as the Lamb of God. We always hear it, Lamb. When we say Lamb, we think about Jesus as this meek, this quiet, this humble, holy man who walked on earth. He is our Lord and Savior. But this is the picture, a pleasing one, of Jesus Christ when we talk about Lamb of God. But truth be told, when, when the Bible speaks of Jesus as the Lamb of God, it is not that picture that we're thinking of now. In fact, it speaks of one of the most horrifying, appalling, shocking events in human history when an angel of death came on earth killing people. In fact, babies. And it was a picture of the judgment of the Almighty God to a people who was wicked and sinful. It was horrific. Not this. That's what we're going to talk about. In fact, because Jesus is the Lamb of God, it necessitates a response from us. Kailangan may response tayo doon dahil siya ang Lamb of God. And this response is the response that will set the direction for our lives. This is the response that will alter kung medyo napariwara ang direksyon ng ating buhay. This response is the response that will move us back to where God wants us to be. In fact, this response, dun magi end dun doon sa response na yun, Jesus, that that will be our conclusion for this preaching. This response encompasses our financial life, economic, our marriage, our family, our business, our work, our love life. It encompasses everything. In fact, it is the litmus test when people can conclude and God can say, Well done, good, faithful servant. This is the litmus test we're in people, and more importantly, God, can say that my son, my daughter, lived a godly, righteous life. Are you ready to unwrap the present Lamb of God? Open your Bibles to John 1. We'll read verse 29. This is in John. Verse 29. Why don't we all stand? We'll read the Scriptures aloud. bring your bible always whether it's this hard copy and napakadali naman it's in our phones as well digital phones diba but if you don't have it with you we have it on the screen we'll just read one verse verse 29 and we will unwrap this the next day he saw jesus john saw jesus coming toward him and said Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Panginoon, maraming maraming salamat sa inyong salita. Dalangin namin na buksan mo ang aming puso't isipan upang aming makita, maintindihan ang inyong salita, naisin at kalooban. Dalangin namin, iyon ay aming maisabuhay. And ultimately, Lord God, that we may be able to bring glory to you. All these things we declare, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Please take your seats. Now, John speaks of the life of Jesus Christ. Life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Kaso, hindi lang naman si John ang nag-explain at nag ng buhay ng ating Panginoong Heso Cristo. So, yung ibang gospel writers din, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. However, may uniqueness ang pagkwento ng bawat isa depending on the context. Meaning, each gospel writer presents different uh, a different vantage point of the life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ depending on the intention of the writer and the audience kung kanino nila sinusulat. Now, for example, for example, yung Matthew, Matthew starts out with sort of like a genealogy kwento ng paano, yung yung family history ni Jesus Christ. So if you were watching a movie, ang Matthew, it's kind of a, medyo slow yung start niya. Yung umpisa ng movie, alam niyo yung may starring. Tapos ang daming characters, mahaba. Ganun ng Matthew. Yung gusto mo nalang i-forward kung naka-Netflix ka, di ba? So ganun yung Matthew. So it was a slow sa Yung Mark, Hindi naman sobrang slow katulad ng Matthew, pero medyo ang dami pang pasakalye. No? So may ganung ano pa, may ganung entrada pa. Kumbaga may palabok pa or pasakalye, kung kumbaga sa music. Si Luke naman kakaiba. Actually, Luke doesn't start with the genealogy of Jesus Christ or immediately with the life of Jesus Christ. In fact, what he does is he speaks of the circumstances way before the birth of Jesus Christ. So parang before pa yung totoong pelikula, meron ka pang umpisang documentary kung paano nangyari yung birth ni Jesus Christ. So dito natin makikita yung maraming story about that. Si John the Baptist, Jesus Christ, Mary, Elizabeth, all these things. But John, the gospel writer, is different. I mean, right from the start, it wasn't slow. In fact, in John 1 alone, John speaks of heavy and major doctrines that we have in Christianity today. From, from, from the offices of Christ, the theology of the, the Trinity, the, the, the pre-existence of Jesus Christ, the hypostatic union, meaning Jesus is both human and divine, and so on and so forth. In other words, in John 1 pa lang, parang, binuga na lahat ni John. Parang it wasn't, lahat, binuhos niya na, parang wala nang ready, gets it's a go. Kumbaga, laban na ka agad. Kumbaga, binagsak niya na lahat. Do you remember, in 1985, there was this boxing match, which I cannot forget. I was in grade school then, but this was, uh, this was the marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas the Hitman Hearns. I'm not sure if you Remember that. But that, well, some of you are checking your phones right now, later after the service. Okay? Okay, lang. Give me a nod. Promise, promise. Give me a nod if you promise me. Okay, thank you. Three rounds lang to. Three rounds lang. But in the first round, palang, it was the. F- if you, you will ch- check it later, but this is the greatest first round in human boxing history. Because in the first round alone, the number of punches that were released is staggering. In fact, there's no other first round today that's like this. See, 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 Hagler was known for a slow start, and di ba, first round, parang ini examine mo na nili, yung kalaban nila, di ba? Very slow. They're thinking, they're strategizing, they're checking. But this round, oh man, it's crazy. First round, palang parang date. It, it's, it's, the commentators are saying it's like a street fight. That's why in three rounds this was finished. John is like that. First round, first John, John chapter 1, everything was given already. Bakba nakagan. Behold the Lamb of God. What does that mean? You know, we have to go back to the Old Testament. Because this is not just any ordinary, oh, meek lamb, holy, righteous, calm, quiet, no, no, no. Again, as we said, not that lamb. We need to go back in their history at that time to understand what this lamb of God meant. I'm sure you're familiar with the Exodus event. God's people, they were oppressed under Egypt. God hears their cries. God hears the cries of his people. Even up to today, he he rescues them he takes them out but god brings judgment as, as well to the to the wickedness of that culture and society the stubbornness of pharaoh and 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 the evil of of the practices of people at that time and so plagues alam niyo naman yun ba yung plagues nasa pelikula prince of egypt famous movie the plagues happen and there's this last plague uh, for me the most horrifying of all the plagues is the tenth plague wherein we said that the angel of death came looking for something and then killing the firstborn of the wicked, the sinful. But this was also the plague that saved people because that angel passed over the houses, hindi niya pinuntahan, hindi pinatay, yung mga bahay that were covered by the blood of the Lamb of God. And that's what we need to behold. When John said, behold, we have to look into it. Now, going back, sabi sa, ano, sabi sa, so we go to that story, Exodus 12 now. Exodus 12. See, ito na lang. na tingnan Kulang yung salamin. This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. This is the starting point of the tenth plague. God was about to explain what you will do. That you, they will get a lamb and they will slaughter, slay it. But he's saying, before that, God is saying, this month shall be the beginning of months. It's not January at the time. But now, I'm making a new calendar for you. That's what God is saying. This shall be the beginning of months for you. It shall be the first month. Meaning, what will happen before your very eyes, as appalling as this may be, it will dictate the rest of your life. You will reorder, reorganize, align your lives to what will happen in a few days. That's what, that's the scripture. Exodus 12, starting point of this Lamb of God. And then going back, Sabi di ba ni John, Behold, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world behold meaning to look intently to focus to gaze to stare into what this lamb saan kinuha yun? babalik ulit ayo sa old testament because in the old testament in this incident the tenth plague there was also a beholding meaning someone was looking intently in the new testament john was saying to the people at that time and when we read the bible today It's us who will look into the Lamb of God or to the Lamb of God. But in the Old Testament, it was the other way around. It was God looking. You know, the Bible is filled with what you call reversals. There are things in the Old Testament and then it will be reversed in the New Testament. Tons of them. This is one of them. Exodus 12. After God explaining that you will get a lamb and you will slaughter them, the blood you will cover, this is what it says in verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood of that lamb now will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, Read that carefully. God was saying, and when I see that blood, I will pass over. The angel of death will pass over. Meaning in the Old Testament, it was God looking intently through the angel. He was the one beholding. And he was looking for that sign. Is Is there a blood here? Is there a blood here? Is there a blood here? Pass over. The angel of death will pass over. But you see, Old Testament concealed, New Testament revealed. Old Testament promised, New Testament fulfilled. Old Testament explained, New Testament experienced. So, Old and New are not two separate books. They're just one. But there is one thing that somehow draws the line between the two. This is just one book. This is just one writing. This is just one Word of God. But you can draw a line between a difference. You know what that is? You know the difference. Old Testament, New Testament. You know the difference? Jesus Christ. Before Jesus, Jesus came. Old Testament, God was the one beholding the blood, looking for the blood. New Testament, because the lamb already came, God was already saying, now it's your turn to look at the lamb. I'm finished. I did what I needed to do. I sent my son. For God so loved the word that he gave his only begotten son. John 3.16 Because I sent my son, I need you. Now, to be the one beholding that lamb. So what do we behold with that lamb? We continue on with Exodus 12. Exodus 12. This month shall be the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year. Exodus 12 verses 2, 3, 5, and 6. So you can follow me. Speak to the whole congregation of Israel saying, Oh, that on the 10th of this month, every man, verse 3, shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. Your lamb, verse 5, your lamb shall be without blemish. Sorry, may blank dito, but this is without blemish. A male, a male, of the first year, you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. We jump to verse 6. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel What will they do with the lamb? They will kill it at twilight. They will kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts. On the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Then they shall, sorry, this one is eat. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night. So what, when we behold the lamb now, when we look into it, there are two things that will be done or should be done as God prescribed it. Number one, the lamb shall be killed. Number two, the lamb shall be eaten. Whoa, kaldereta, kilawin. Sarap nito, kapatid. Killed. Why does it need to be killed? We read it a while ago. Verse 12 of Exodus 12. God will pass through. When He passes through, He will behold. He will look at the houses and He will pass over. He will not kill. He will not send the plague. He will not give the curse to the houses that are covered By the blood of the Lamb. In other words, God, at that time, God was judging wickedness and the sin of that nation. It was that. But at the same time, the killing meant, not just judgment to the wicked, but the killing also meant the salvation, the the saving of God's people. Wow. In fact, we need to pause right there. The blood of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world saves us. Let's just, you know, a few seconds. If you can close your eyes. I'll give you a few seconds. Just thank God and praise Him for that, for that saving. For what? You know, the saving is just a means to an end. It's not the the final agenda. God wanted to save His people for what? You know, after this incident, God instituted a law that every year they were to celebrate this Passover. And at the same time, every year they were slaughtered. The priest of the old will slaughter an animal and present it to God once a year year after year after year, so that God's people can be purified from their sins. There is what you call an atonement, meaning there is a repair of a broken relationship, meaning broken by sin. And when an animal sacrifice is made, that relationship can be somehow restored. And God's people can have a relationship with Him. So yes, there is purification in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, this was expounded further. The Bible says in Hebrews, Hebrews 9, Hebrews 9, How much more will the blood of the Lamb of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish? Could you see the language? This is what we were reading a while ago in the Old Testament Exodus. So this is the lamb without blemish to God. Purify our conscience. So it purifies our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Furthermore, verse 22. Do I have verse 22 or we don't have it? Indeed, we jump to verse 22. Under the law, remember I said after the Passover A law was instituted to commemorate this, to purify their consciences. That's the ceremony that did it. So indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. Old Testament. But remember, we said earlier, Old Testament, New Testament, Jesus Christ. But because Jesus came, the blood came, And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Do you know in the Old Testament, there's no talk of forgiveness? There is a reparation of relationship. But the truth of forgiveness only came when the Lamb came. Because the forgiveness of sins will come from Him not the animal. So it was expounded and revealed to people further in the New Testament. This is what the Lamb does. doesn't just purify, but forgives us of our sins. Past, present, and future. Again, for what? It's not yet the main point. For what? Why is God wanting to forgive us of our sins, purify us from our sins. What's the reason? We go back to the Old Testament. What was the reason why God wanted to take out His people from Egypt? What was the reason for that plague that happened wherein the angel of death will pass over the houses that are covered with the blood? Exodus 6. Exodus 6. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see, What I will do to Pharaoh, because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. This was before the ten plagues. This was before the first plague. And he recruited Moses to lead his people, to take them out of Egypt. So he was already recounting what he will do. Verse 5, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are enslaving. And I have remembered my covenant. Next. Therefore, say to my people, the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with the mighty acts of judgment. And here's verse 7 and I need you to behold this. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Your God. The ultimate objective reason, intention of God, why He wants His people to be forgiven of their sins, to be purified from their sins, is because God is wanting a relationship with His people. So if you bring it today, the present that we are unwrapping when we say, Jesus is the Lamb of God, God is inviting, pulling us all to what? A relationship with Him. We need to unwrap that. This season can go fast. Your bonuses can just come to pass. The celebration and the parties can be over in a jiff. But let not this season pass without paying attention this. We can be lost in the celebration. We can be lost in the merry-making. And if I may say, as your pastor, how dare we not talk about Jesus? Okay, sige. Office party. Ang hirap namang preach But in the family. In the marriage. Let's not give token prayers before eating the hamon the lechon, the puto bumbong. Let's, let's not do the token prayers. Jesus, thank you. And because we're hungry, we make it as fast as we can. So let's talk about him first. Why did he come? Why did he come? Why did he die for us? Relationship. He wants that. In fact, we're reading John. Remember? Bakbakan, John 1. After, after, after John, the gospel writer says, Behold the Lamb of God. He says it again, a few verses after, Behold the Lamb of God. But after that, like no other gospel, John emphasizes Jesus Christ inviting his people. John 1, John 4, John 1, he says, Come and you will see. He was talking to the two disciples. They don't I mean, yeah, come, you will see. Go call your husband. He was talking to the Samaritan woman. Yet you refuse to come to me. He was talking to his enemies, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. I am the, what, being shared a while ago, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me. John seven. if anyone starts, let him come to me. I have come that they may, John 10, 10, have life and life to the full. He told Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth. You are dead now, but you will be made alive in the same way. This is that same invitation. You are dead in your sins. You may be lost now, but come forth. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. In fact, to the very end of the gospel, after he resurrected, he shows himself to people, the disciples as a group, three times. This is the third time. And he says, Come, come. And have breakfast. There is no other gospel that emphasizes Jesus inviting you and me like no other but John. And this is that same gift that we need to unwrap this Christmas. Kill. Are you ready for the next one? Eat. Eat. Remember, they have to kill it. Last gift that I will explain today, said eat. You know, that's so familiar. In the Old Testament, they were to eat the the lamb. That is to be sacrificed. You know, that sounds so familiar to the point that it was shared a while ago in the offering. Remember, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. But then again, when Jesus shared that, it wasn't that pleasant. It was so controversial. So controversial in John 6. John 6. Jesus was saying, I am the bread of life. Verse 48. Verse 51. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. Now, Jesus said these things where he was in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Now, how do we know that this is so controversial? Because in verse 52, then Jesus, the Jews rather, the Jews then disputed, meaning the people who were following him, disputed among themselves, saying, how can this man give his flesh to eat? Verse 60, now when many of this, his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? Verse 66, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, because many left. Because it was a hard teaching. So Jesus said, do you want to leave us well? Now, Peter told him, Lord, saan pa kami pupunta? Wala namang kami ibang pupuntahan. Ikaw ang may salita ng buhay na walang hanggan. And we have believed that and have come to know that you are the Holy One of Israel. This was controversial for them. But why? You know, the first thing that would come into our mind is that, wow, this is cannibalism. That was, that's why it's hard. No, no, not really. We cannot examine it and look at this passage using our 21st century lens. That's our lens today. Obviously, cannibalism, no, no. But if we go back to their time, that's not something oblivious. In fact, if you remember, Abraham, see, Abraham, when, when, when God asked him to sacrifice his son, Isaac, there was no contention. He readily obeyed, went up the mount in the land of Moriah. He was ready to slay. At that time, the temple sacrifices, people were still sacrificing animals. Therefore, the sacrifice of humans, of course not for the Jews at the time, but for the other ethnicities and races who were worshipping the gods of the world, cannibalism, human sacrifice, was normal. In the same way, biblical literature, the people at that time, the Jews that were following him, and even more so the disciples, and even the enemies of Jesus Christ, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, and the scribes, they knew the Old Testament meaning, they are familiar with biblical literature of poetry and, and prophecy. And they know the metaphors and the symbolisms of the Old Testament. Remember, love of God. By this time, they understand that concept. Third and most important, if we go back to the previous slide. Can you go back to the previous slide? It was mentioned in Capernaum. John is the gospel writer that emphasizes the places and the feasts. Because he wants to prove a point. When he said, Capernaum, we need to pay attention. Because he is the gospel writer that indicates where Jesus was speaking. Capernaum is one of those. If there were two areas in, in, in Jesus' time, wherein it would be his territory. territory home court advantage of Jesus. It's not in the temple area. That's where his enemies were. He was one mountain away, Bethany. It was about 5 kilometers away from the temple area, one mountain. Bababa, aakyat Bethany. You know why? Because Bethany is where he lived with his friends, Lazarus, Mary and Martha. In fact, that's where Alimniy Palaspas, do you remember Palaspas? That's where people were praising Jesus Christ when he was riding on a donkey. So that's where the group fee of Jesus Where? Bethany and Capernaum. Because down south of Israel, he had another place to stay. In the mother-in-law of Peter. That's where they live. Peter, Andrew. Remember? It's a fishing community. The disciples were fishermen mainly. That's their area. That's the home court. That's where Jesus lived with them. So it was Bethany and Capernaum, Jesus, people loved him there. They were familiar to the teachings of Jesus Christ. They adhered to it. So what's my point? When Jesus said, eat my flesh, I am the bread of life. They understood what that meant. They understood the symbolism because they were the ones following and listening and adhering to Jesus Christ. They understood that in Genesis 9, flesh meant the life of humans, meaning the life that they are living. So when Jesus said, I am the bread of life, it was controversial, not because of cannibalism, not because of the metaphor itself. It was controversial because they understood that when Jesus said, I am the bread of life, eat my flesh, it meant that you are when you eat my flesh, it means you have to ingest. The life that I want you to live. In other words, eat my flesh is equal to live the righteous, godly. Live that life that you are living? I cannot do that. People left him. But the disciples said, no, Jesus, we've come to know you. That you are the Holy One and we have believed your teachings. So when we are to eat the Lamb of God, this is the last point for today. This is the unwrapping that we have to realize. It is an invitation to a righteous life. This Christmas, this Christmas, this, this season, it's a good season. It's a year-ender. What are the things that we have to stop? Kind of like a stoplight, if I may. Red, what are the things that we need to stop? What are the things that we need to slow down on? What are the things that we need to start doing green? It's an easy handle. It's a stoplight to a righteous life. Invitation to a relationship. Invitation to a righteous life. What's the response to that invitation? John. Lays it out. <laughs> Crazy. Amazing. The gospel starts with behold the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God is the one that was to be killed, right? Slaughtered. We all know that's Jesus Christ. The gospel ends with that. The right and the righteous response to the Lamb of God. Remember this story when Jesus appears to His disciples? Three times. First, to his disciples without Thomas. And so when his disciples told Thomas, we have seen the Lord, what was the response of Thomas? Unless I see the nail marks on his hands and his pierced side, I would not believe. So Jesus appears the second time to them in a group with Thomas. This is what happened. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord, but he said to them, unless I see the hands and the, the hands, the mark of the nails, and place my finger into that mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, Jesus Christ shows up. He tells them, peace. Shalom. Hey, Rene, be with you. Verse 27. Then, then, Look at this. He said to Thomas, Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side that was pierced on the cross. Do not disbelieve, but believe. But, this is now, this, before you show the next slide, this is amazing for me. After this response, John closes the gospel. He ends the whole writing. If you check your Bibles after this part, this scene, John would already go on to say, I wrote this so that you may believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that by believing in Him, you may find life in His name. Yun na yung susunodita. Because He was already able to unleash the whole point of the Lamb of God. When he said that, it's as if John was saying, okay, I'm finished with my writing. Mission accomplished. In fact, this response of Thomas is the ultimate title that John the Gospel writer wanted to tell people. Because Jesus was called so many things in John. Rabbi, teacher, bread of life, light of the world, and so many other things. But this is, works like a crescendo leading to the climax of all titles. And the one who said this ultimate title was this guy that we are kind of mocking. Thomas. So we shouldn't count him out. In fact, this response of Thomas is the same response that you and I should have when we realize that He is the Lamb of God and we should set the direction of our life there. We should alter our life the beginning of the month, if you recall, everything and reorder everything about our lives towards this response to Jesus Christ. It is what will dictate our financial, economic, marriage, love life, work, business decisions. It is the litmus test wherein God can say, well done, good and faithful servant. Are you ready? for the response of Thomas because this is the response that you and me should have. Thomas said, next verse, My Lord, my God. Jesus is the Lamb of God. Who is He to you? Is He Lord? Is He Master? Are we servants of God? Is He the God who dictates everything every decision, every step that we make in our lives. My Lord and my God. This has been the Victory Santa Rosa podcast. To see more church updates, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Victory Santa Rosa.